This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 66, where today we hear about Kirk's Dick Dick. Everybody and welcome again to another episode of the Visit the Zoo podcast. And I am your host, Frederick Fishman, and I am the author of the 12 book, 120 animal series of Kindle books and print books, audio book, and also a DVD, all on Amazon.com and the audiobooks, of course, on Audible.com as well. Today we're going to drop in another chapter of my latest novel, Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. And I'm going to put in chapter number 12, and there are 14 chapters in the book, so we're coming towards the end. So that means the front end of this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter. So stick with me while we have some fun. Please check out our websites at Zoo Animals. That's plural, zooanimals.info. And we have a merchandise site at zooswear.com. Dot com. That's Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com. And I've got some great designs on Amazon and also Zazzle. And my author website is at Frederick Fishman, spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N, FrederickFishman.com. And I also want to tell you about a new daily blog that I have started with some of my comments, observations, helpful hints. And that is on Daily Desert Doodle. That's dailydesertdoodle.com. Dailydesertdoodle.com. Today, I discuss something that's very interesting about a new robocall scam that's starting to pick up steam that you probably want to read about in case you get one of those robocalls. Okay, I think we're ready to go. Let's get going. And we come to our animal news section now. I'm going to read one story and then tell you about five curated stories that you can check out yourself by going to our Visit the Zoo blog at vtzlife.com or just going to the description on zooanimals.com and clicking on the links there. So either one of those two sites, either zooanimals.info or vtzlife.com. But let me read this one news story that I've been putting off here for a couple of weeks. Something has always come up, so let me just tell you about eight native British animals to look out for in the wintertime, and this is in the UK. And you may think a lot of animals in the wintertime go underground and get quiet and you don't see them, but not in the UK. Here are eight animals that you may run into. First of all is a mountain hare, and these are little small, little brown furry things that dash around. Number two, starlings. Starlings are these birds that do this wonderful performance or dance. They're called, it's called a mermation in the sky at dusk, where they seem to weave and, and make patterns when thousands of them gather. And those are starlings. And then another animal that you'll see in the wintertime in the UK are robins, of course. You'll see woodlarks, and you'll also see red squirrels. And they are on the decline, so you got to keep an eye out for them. They're mostly found in Scotland and Ireland and also in the Isle of Wight, Dorset, and Northumberland. In the wintertime, you might see owls, of course, looking for small prey on the ground, foxes, and finally, the green woodpecker. You may also see that as well. 
Now, again, there are five curated stories that I put together for you that you can check out more detail on. And let me give you the titles of those five. Number one is Animal and Birds Under Increasing Threat from Plastic Waste. We all know that, of course. Number two is Wildlife Experts Say a Border Wall Could Impact Animals. Number three, Chiropractors Interest in Animals and Humans, too. And finally, number four and number five, this is a video that I've uh, attached. Animals at Wesselman Woods make big game predictions. And number five, caring for animals in cold weather. That is at vtzlife.com, those stories, vtzlife.com. Or you can look at the uh, description of the episode in zooanimals.info and you'll see links in both places. And that is our news animal stories for today. We're going to do a description now of this very interesting sounding animal. It's called the Kirk's Dick Dick. It's spelled D-I-K-D-I-K. And it's, like I said, a very unusual name, but it's a very cute little antelope. It's a small antelope, and it's native to eastern Africa. It's one of the four species of of dick-dick antelope. They're herbivores, which means they eat plants, and they're typically of fawn color. That aids them in camouflaging against predators in the African savanna habitats where they live. The lifespan of the Kirk's dick-dick is about five years in the wild, but may surpass 10 years if they're lucky, if they can avoid the predators. In captivity, males have been known to live up to 16.5 years, while females have lived up to 18.4. The dick-dick's name is derived from its call. When they feel threatened, uh, dick-dicks lie low in the brush to prevent detection. If they are discovered, they run in a swift, zigzag-like pattern until they reach refuge in a nearby thicket. During this flight, they emit a trumpet-like zigzag calls to raise alarm or to harass predators and publicize the presence of a mated pair. They are the world's smallest antelopes and they stand between 14 and 18 inches tall and they weigh no more than 16 pounds. Uh, The females tend to be a little heavier than the males. They are highly adapted to the arid regions of eastern Africa where they live and they have this little proboscis, tiny slit-like nostril device at the end of their snout and what that does is that It has an enlarged nasal chamber that's supplied by blood that helps cool them with their rapid panting. This process is also efficient because it results in a minimal loss of water in the exhaled air, where it's very dry, of course, in Africa. Basically, dick-dicks are highly nocturnal. They roam around at night. During the daytime, they seek shade and to rest in the hottest part of the day. Like I said, they are herbivores, which means they eat foliage, fruit, shoots, berries. And due to their adaptation, they prefer those plants that are highly sourced in water. They're susceptible to a myriad of predators, from eagles, wildcats, jackals, leopards, hyenas, cheetahs, cape wild dogs, honey badgers, crocodiles, pythons, lions, monitors, and humans. Young dick-dicks are particularly preyed upon by baboons, gannets, and eagles. The human population, though, that is the greatest threat to the dick-dicks, which are sometimes hunted for their hides and bones, often using snares. The bones from their legs and feet are used in traditional jewelry, while their hides are fashioned 
into suede gloves. An entire Dick Dick hide is required to produce a single glove. The IUCN Red List lists the Kirk's Dick Dick as of least concern as a threatened species. So, at least there's a lot of them around. All right, let's go now to our read of Noah, an animal adventure fantasy. This is chapter number 12. There are 14 chapters in the book, so we're getting down to the end here. Here's chapter number 12 of my novel, Noah, an animal adventure fantasy. Chapter 12. Noah and Manny stood at the jumbled, boulder-strewn base of a towering mountain. As their eyes continued upward to follow the structure of the mountain, they were dumbstruck by the sheer immensity of the peak in front of them. It was as if the mountain was reaching for the sky as the peak seemed to disappear into the deep blue sky above their heads. Not only was the mountain insanely tall, it was monstrously wide. It dominated their vision and their imagination. The air was cool, not cold, but the sun was warm. Even at that relative lower altitude of their present surroundings, they were still well above 10,000 feet in elevation. There were no other people or animals to be seen, and vegetation was sparse. There was only a light wind present that carried no sound from birds or other creatures. There were no trees, no bushes, no shrubs, no grass, no vegetation of any kind. There was just a tortured sea of boulders and rocks pounded by temperature changes, snow, and rain over millions of years. Manny spoke quietly to Noah as he looked at the mountain straight ahead. It's called Gankar Pusensum. It rises an elevation of 7,570 meters. Noah replied quietly. Could you please give that to me in feet? You are looking, Manny said, at the highest unclimbed mountain in the world at 24,835.9 feet. Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, is just a bit over 29,000 feet. This mountain that you are looking at right now is really up there. But Manny, why is it unclimbed? I mean, lots of people have climbed to the top of Mount Everest, haven't they? They have, Manny said, but this mountain is considered sacred to the Bhutanese government, and they banned everyone and anyone from climbing it. Noah continued to move his scan across the very top of the mountain. Then, why are we here? Why are we here? Are we here to meet someone or something? What are we going to do now? He asked. We're going to climb it. Noah immediately dropped his head and then backed up as he glared into Manny's eyes. Noah said quietly, Then please tell me, why are we going to climb it? I mean, it will take forever. We have no backpacks, no equipment, but we need oxygen. Manny looked at his new friend. We won't need any of that. That's impossible. We will freeze to death without proper boots, jacket, or equipment. It is possible. Do you remember the snowfield and the reindeer? Yeah, but that wasn't a mountain almost five miles high. Follow me, 
Manny began to walk. No, Noah said. Manny turned. Follow me, Noah. Trust me, Noah. There is someone I want you to meet, someone who wants to meet you as well. Follow me, Noah. Follow you where? To the top of this mountain. Are you nuts? Noah said. Sometimes. He grabbed onto Noah's hand. Sometimes you have to dare be. This is crazy nuts. Noah reluctantly followed Manny. You will see why the Bhutanese people think this mountain is sacred. It's because of who lives there at the top of this mountain. And so they began to walk up the mountain. And then something strange happened to the speed and ease of their traverse straight up the side of that immense mountain. As they took each step, they were propelled 100 feet instead of two feet. They quickly gained ground and all the air thinned and the temperature dropped. They were perfectly comfortable. It was as if they were surrounded by a protective bubble. They left no footprints behind them and they quickly advanced. Near the top of the mountain, they stopped just before the peak. Manny said to Noah, Noah, you must take in this view. And Noah saw beneath him the most magnificent view of the earth below that he'd ever seen. As far as he could see, in virtually every direction from near the peak of Gankar Pusensum, he saw an endless carpet of mountain peaks, green valleys in the distance, and blinding blue sky just on the horizon. If he were in a spaceship or airplane, he would have enjoyed the same view. But his feet were firmly planted on the ground, on the side of that mountain where no human had ever set foot. Manny then leaned closer, only a few more steps to go. As Noah turned away from the magnificent view, he looked upward at the goal they were trying to reach at the mountaintop. Just into view, behind a thin shroud of clouds, he saw some type of a structure. It was similar to the small cabins he would see on his backpacking trips with his brother as they roamed their nearby mountains. You've got to be kidding, Noah said. Someone lives up here? There is someone in there and I want you to meet. Noah and Manny took the final steps toward the cabin at the top of the mountain. And when they reached the top of the mountain and stood near the summit, Noah could see that it was the small cabin he'd seen from below. It was not more than 600 square feet in space. From his vantage point, Noah could see almost a 360-degree view around him. He truly felt that he was on top of the world. You truly are, Noah. Noah looked down at Manny and smiled. It's beautiful. Manny, I've never seen a view like this before. Are you ready? Yeah, let's see who lives here. Above the door, he could see a small wooden sign with the crudely scrawled initials, M.N. Noah looked at the sign. Who's M.N.? Manny opened the rough-hewn wooden door, pulling Noah with him. Mother Nature. Noah said, yeah, right, give me a break, man. He cut off his own words as he entered the cabin that transformed into a mammoth castle with soaring ceilings that reached hundreds of feet into the air. From the ornately decorated entrance lobby, filled with paintings and sculptures and photographs, gigantic in size, he could see they were of nature, wildlife, and the major natural landmarks of the world. The entrance was circular, with large, wide openings that led to full hallways, with monstrously tall ceilings as well. 
The view down those hallways led to vanishing points and seemed to extend for as far as Noah could see. The immensity of the space in front and around and over him created its own weather. Noah looked up and could see wisps of clouds forming at the very limit of his vision at the almost impossible to see ceilings. Noah's mouth was agape. He could not speak or form words. A simple mountain cabin had turned into an unimaginably huge castle-like structure. The replicas of nature also filled every corner with water features and mountain replicas, trees and shrubs and grasses. All of the planet Earth seemed to be represented in front of him. Noah and Manny walked for some time through the entrance until they stopped in what seemed like the middle of an immense foyer. Noah turned in a complete circle. He had never seen a structure that large before. He tried to figure out how a small cabin from the outside had turned into this mystical, fantastical, magical place he now found himself in. He finally composed himself enough to whisper, Manny, where are we? We are at a place where Mother Nature creates all of natural wonders. It's her job, and this is her workshop. Manny pulled Noah towards a large archway that led onto another ginormous room. At the very far end, Noah could see a figure, a woman, he thought, standing in front of a floor-to-ceiling window that looked out on the world. The windows followed the walls up a ceiling that Noah could not see. Noah and Manny walked closer. The woman slowly turned around. She was average in height. She wore a flowing dress with a long train. The dress had colors of the rainbow that were dominated by gold and green, red and brown and blue, the colors of earth and more. At first, her face was hidden in shadow. When Noah and Manny found themselves not more than 10 feet away, her face was suddenly lit by a sunbeam that haloed her face. It was a face that Noah immediately thought was recognizable, and yet it was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. But it was still strangely familiar. It was a face that had hints in the shape of his own mother's face, but it was enhanced, even more beautiful. She held out her perfectly shaped hands and reached for Noah. He gently grabbed her hands. They were soft, warm, and comforting. She then spoke in a voice that the angels had created. Noah melted and gave himself to the image of beauty in front of him. She spoke, Noah, thank you for visiting me. Manny, thank you for bringing your friend for a visit. She then leaned down to Noah. Noah, are you hungry? He shook his head yes. She said, all young men are hungry as they grow. Come, I've set out a small snack for you. She held onto his hand, and suddenly before them a table appeared. The table was laden with all types of vegetables, fowl, meats, and steaming bread. She said to Noah, I do know what you like, but I thought I would give you a variety as well. My plants and creatures have gladly sacrificed for you so you can remain strong. Noah hadn't noticed till that moment just how starved he truly was. He pulled out a chair and sat down and immediately began to eat. Manny also pulled up a small bowl filled with various juicy insects that were his favorites. She sat down nearby Noah and watched him eat. Noah, you know who I am? Noah shook his head yes as he continued to eat. 
I am Mother Nature, and I've been assigned the task to populate and nurture all that is alive on this earth. Noah finally ginned up enough courage to answer meekly. You're doing a good job. Mother Nature answered, Why, thank you, Noah. Not everyone shares that feeling, but thank you. Noah stopped eating and stared. Why, why am I here? Why did Manny... He stared at her, waiting for that very important question to be answered. She said, Noah, you are here so you know that I exist, so you know that nature in all of its wonders exists, not just in some book or some film documentary. You will be an ambassador to make sure that others know that nature exists. Whether they live and wherever they live, they must know that animal and plant life in all of its forms exists and thrives and must be kept healthy. Noah continued to stare. People know that, don't they? She thought for a moment and then said, Not everyone. Some are locked away physically or mentally from life in all its forms. They just have to be reminded now and then. I've created here millions of incubation zones in this laboratory. Down all these halls you saw when you entered. All that has evolved and grown in this world, I've designed right here. Some species of flora and fauna did not succeed, but I'm constantly experimenting to improve and grow all species. However, some humans sometimes do not recognize all of the wonder and the beauty and creation around them. They have to be reminded occasionally about life and its eternal beauty. It's very rare in this universe of ours. But I see these programs on television, he stammered and stopped. You know, television and the internet, they have these programs about all these places in the world, all the animals. I know, Noah, but you must be a personal witness as well. One day you will be my witness. Is that why I'm here? You are here because I wanted to meet you, and I wanted you to meet me. I wanted you to know that I exist. He shook his head yes. She then leaned closer to Noah and put both of her hands on his arms. He felt a surge of warmth and peace moving through every part of his body. Noah, you have one more continent to visit. It's a harsh environment, but I think it is a place that holds the best promise for you to go back to your world. Manny will take you there. Do you want to go now? Noah stood quickly and said, yes, I want to go now. I want to go home. She stood and Manny hopped off his chair. His tummy extended even more from the feast he just ate. She then leaned down to Noah and kissed him on the cheek. Remember me, Noah. I will remember you and follow you all the days of your life. Noah shook his head yes. Manny grabbed his hand and in quick step, they walked back to the long entrance toward the exit door. Noah looked back to see her one more time, but Mother Nature was no longer there. In front of the fading windows, he saw no form, but he pledged himself to remember what he just saw and what he just experienced for the rest of his life. And that is the very dramatic chapter number 12 from Noah an animal adventure fantasy uh, that we're going to wrap up uh, next week and the week after. There's two more chapters to go. If you want to buy the novel, you can on Amazon. It's in 
Kindle form. It's also in print form. If you want to buy the audio book, you can do that as well. You can get that through Amazon, through that Noah and Animal Adventure Fantasy link, or you can also go to audible.com. That is a wrap for Visit the Zoo podcast episode number 66. I want to thank you for joining me today, and I really do appreciate your participation in these podcasts immensely. And I also encourage you to please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. And you can check out, again, our curated stories uh, that I gave you at the top of the podcast by going to zooanimals.info and getting the links in the the description or by going to the visit the zoo blog at vtz life is vtzlife.com and don't forget about our merchandise we have a lot of great designs and uploading new designs every single week to zazzle and you can go to zooswear.com that's z-o-o-z-w-e-a-r zooswear.com i want to thank you very much for joining me and please come back next week let's do this again okay all right bye-bye